Hello and welcome back to another episode of MCU Need to Know, a podcast dedicated to the Marvel Cinematic Universe and everything you need to know. I'm Trey. I'm Jude. How you doing, Trey? Well, puzzled now. What's uh, what's going on on your end over there? As I was organizing my tabs, uh-huh. there's a tab up here that I was going to talk to you about and forgot. So now it has to save it till after. <laughs> but because of the camera, you saw my like, uh kind of reaction. <laughs> so is it pertinent to the episode? Uh, no, it's pertinent to the pod, <laughs> it's pertinent to the pod, but it, it, it was, I was rearranging my tab so I could like have the stopwatch right next to the outline and just easily switch back and forth. And then I actually, and I clicked on that one. I was like, oh yeah, I was going to mention that tray, but it's, I wasn't going to stop you mid intro. I, you know, the video cameras while recording, I think is both additive and a detriment at the same time. Because <laughs> speaking for me on the JB episode, I didn't even realize it, but because we were on camera, subconsciously I made the money finger signs whenever he was talking about the success of Moon Knight determining season two. And so I didn't even realize I was doing it until JB was like, oh, Trey's making money signs. Yeah. Oh, well, in the, in the little, in, in one of the two in tags, when he was like, hey, that seems like a little gift. That was that moment where he's talking about missing the beard and I, because I took my camera off and I flashed my camera back on really quick and back off just so he could see the beard one more time. And that's, and that's what he's like, hey, and stuff. But, you know. <laughs> it's been fun. I don't, I can't imagine going back to not having the cameras on the recording side. Yeah. But I, I mean, I still think the cameras are for just us. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I, if I want those out yet. Oh, no, no, I'm. Nobody wants to see this closet. Oh, look. Hey, there's video of Jude and the bottom parts of sleeves, the long sleeves. Okay. Well, you know, <laughs> we're already on the tangent. I, <laughs> You know, whenever we went into video cameras, it was still in the cooler months. Now that it's getting hotter, I've just become so self-aware of like how much I sweat in the closet. And I never mm-hmm. noticed it until we started using camera. <laughs> oh, dude, it's so different. So hot in here. Whereas in like winter, like I have like the beanie on and the headphones and like long, I'm bundled. Yeah. Anyway, back to the episode. If you downloaded this episode, then you know we've got a couple quick reactions coming up for you. Uh, So if you've been paying attention to the pod feed, uh, a few weeks ago, I put out a solo reaction episode to Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. But since Jude hadn't seen it at the time, he didn't get to be on that one. So we're circling back to that. But we also have two really exciting announcements that we're going to be talking about today. Starting off with the first one, we have confirmation of the Echo Show coming to Disney Plus in 2023, and we got our first official look at it, which features Echo sitting along kind of like a heavy piece of equipment and just looking very tired. Was there anything that stood out to you about that news announcement? Yes. That's how awesome a character she was in Hawkeye. We get a screenshot, and it's like, okay, first official look, and everyone's excited. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, you know what I mean? It, yeah. it's, it's amazing that, and we talked about it with the Hawkeye, just how well she did in... Alaco Cox. Yeah, yeah. And, I, well, I wasn't thinking of, of, of the name, but just, but just the stuff we talked about in terms of, like, acting and being with, um, you know, sign language and just really fleshing out the character through there and, and, you know, with the gestures and facial expressions, which, which, I mean, a lot of actors do that and performers, you have that, but you know, you're taking away voice inflection, you know, but you still get the, 
the anger and everything out of it. And it was such a fun and good character. Yeah. I mean, we get a simple screenshot and it's like, oh man, this is, can't wait. <laughs> I remember we did our predictions episode at the beginning of this year and we were just kind of taking some stabs in the dark to see what we'd land on. I had thought maybe we'd get Echo this year, but it does seem like uh, 2023 will be the target date for that. So even though that was my prediction, which may be a little bit contradictory, it it's funny to me how when I first saw the news, it's like, oh, this feels early. <laughs> it, does, it did feel early. Yeah. It did feel early. I was surprised. Mm-hmm. So, um, Yeah. Well, it... Does that mean we might get to see Kate Bishop? Um, I hope so. That'd be interesting if she ends up showing up in the Echo Show. Or Yelena. I'll take either one. <laughs> I wonder if maybe it'll be like a passing cameo. I can't imagine they would we like be series featured, but I could see like an episode brief appearance. Yeah, and if that's the case, I'm going to say um, Bishop. Oh, cool. That is officially in production and coming in 2023. The other exciting news we got, and this one completely caught me off guard. We have our first trailer or first full-length trailer, I say, because we've had snippets before, but the first full-length trailer for She-Hulk, Attorney at Law. Uh, it's going to be releasing on August 17th, 2022 of this year. And I guess I'll go first this time. It looks really funny. I think that's what stood out to me on that first impression is the humor was just front and center. I, I particularly like the line wherever She-Hulk and Hulk are trying to learn how to use the powers and Hulk's like, well, you <laughs> need to have fear and anger. That seems to trigger it. And she's like, dude, that's the baseline of the woman experience. <laughs> <laughs> it, well, I know I, and I keep saying this over and over. I'm going to love this show. Because of Tatiana Maslany. And because she, they can't say this enough, was amazing in Orphan Black. You know, my my brother texted me. He said he thought the, the CGI wasn't great. Kind of have to agree with him. But as early it is, as it is, and we've seen this before, where they get a trailer out there and we know the CG, that's not the final rendering, right, of a CGI. So in in that sense, I don't, I think, I think they're, I'm not too worried about it. Um, the only thing I would be worried about is the 30 minute sitcom kind of format. Otherwise it looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. Like just a straight up sitcom, you know? And, you know, and we talked about it at the start of moon Knight. I can't remember what episode we brought it up on, but we talked about how like we went from no way home to moon Knight to Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, and every one of those entries had a bit of weight to them, like the heaviness of the topics that they were dealing with. To get Miss Marvel in a few weeks, and now She-Hulk falling after, it's nice to have the levity of the MCU again. Not that, not that I can't imagine we'll get some emotional moments because Marvel's really good at that, but it is nice to just be having fun again. And I do, I do well, want to. I'm, go ahead. Well, go ahead because I was going to change to a different subject uh, oh all i was gonna say is like we've seen marvel do this before ant-man ant-man and the wasp right where it's kind of that you get this emotional moments you know they're there because of because of the themes and what it's about with family but it's there's a lot of levity to it you know and it's a fun movie so i'm imagining 
you know, from that, from this trailer, something along those lines. Yeah. What I was going to circle back to is I do agree. Uh, I think we're, I think it is pretty much the elephant in the room. The CGI doesn't look great. I don't know if there's anything I could add to it that hasn't been said already online, but when we watched the trailer again, right before we started recording, just to get a fresh viewing, one of the things I paid attention to this time versus the first few times I watched it is the facial expressions I think are still coming through in the animation, uh, which is something that felt like Tatiana Maslany was bringing in some of the human form that was really, really cool. And I thought, oh, are we going to lose that in the She-Hulk form? But there, there's a line she gives again where she's talking about like, oh, I'm not a superhero. That's for narcissists, billionaires, and adult orphans for some reason. The facial inflection in that point is really good. So even if the CGI, let's hope it gets polished, but say it doesn't, the performance is still coming through. And I, I, I can live with that for a TV series. Yes, uh, 100%. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, that's, that's the thing on, on the CGI, you know, there, there is this element of you want the, you don't want the CGI to take you out of something. Right. But if the CGI is so bad or like, that's your only focus, the story and the acting and all that other stuff is obviously not grabbing you, you know? And, and, and so that's the other place where it's like, okay, I'm not going to be that word. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like what we talked about in Moon Knight. There, it was forgivable. Like there was like there was so much other things we were we were paying attention to that it was okay to look past some of the less than stellar CGI work. Oh yeah. Well, I think that'll wrap up those two little news announcements. It's really cool. I'm glad we've got a look at what's to come uh, because we have Miss Marvel in the horizon. We have Thor. And now it seems like we know what's coming out after Thor with She-Hulk on August 17th, 2022. Mm-hmm. Now, for the main portion of our podcast this week, we're going to be talking about Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. And we're going to do this the way we always do when it comes to things that are very new. We're going to have some pre-spoiler thoughts, and that'll give us a chance to talk about it without getting into spoilers, followed by an audio cue, which will take us into the spoiler zone that'll be fair game for all spoilers. So before we get there, Jude, what are your pre-spoiler thoughts for Multiverse of Madness? It's definitely a Sam Raimi movie. It's so funny. In the comic book club, Sean, co-worker Sean, and I were saying that, and, and we had students that like, okay, I've heard that a lot. What does that mean? Um, and we ended up having to pull up the trailer to uh, Evil Dead 2 or <laughs> Army of Darkness and you know, and, and kind of explain his style and stuff. Um, but that, yeah, definitely like, like I heard that before I saw it and it immediately, it was just like, yes, this is clearly something Sam Raimi did. You know, it's funny. I, my experience with Sam Raimi is exclusively the Spider-Man films, the Tobey Maguire ones. I'm not sure if I'm familiar with any of his other works, but from what I know of them, it's, it's easy to see how much of uh, I think friend Daniel used this term imprint that Sam Raimi left mm-hmm. uh, on the movie itself. Um, yeah. You know, I, I have now seen this movie twice, uh, so I'm not going to reiterate too much of what I said there, but I, I did want to at least share this because this seems to be a very polarizing entry in the MCU. I actually saw an article compare it to Iron Man three in terms of polarization, but I didn't get to finish reading it before we recorded, but I'll, I'll link it in the show notes. That's interesting. I know. I, I want to go see what they had to say about it. But I was talking to my friend Nedge, 
And she said something that helped solidify a thought I was having. So to set that up, she mentioned, you know, when I watched it, it checked all the boxes. Like I was entertained. It was fun. I liked it, but it just, there was something missing. And the thought that it completed for me was, I feel like one of the biggest praises about the MCU is that it it is comfortable not taking itself too seriously and can poke fun of itself. And I think that adds levity to the moments that really are endearing and meaningful. But there's something about Multiverse of Madness that felt like it didn't take it seriously enough, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Trust me, it made sense. Oh. Like, in my, I mean, you know, in my pre spoiler thoughts, and you already know this. Yes. Um, and, and Tara is, you know, TK is probably, she, when they're listening, and it's going to be like, what are you doing? You know, because uh, she knows my thoughts. Um, and I just wanted the pre spoiler part to be positive. <laughs> when, that's the hardest part about the position that I'm in is that. I think of the two of us, you're the most harsh on it, but it's very hard to defend. <laughs> the more I think about it, okay. the, the more I start slipping on that mountain. But as far as initial impressions, I did enjoy it, but it'll be funny to see how it happens. Okay. I, here, I'll read. How about this? And for pre-spoiler thoughts, I will at least read the text that I'm referring to. Okay. You know, and, and Tara's terror, terror, or TK's response, whoa, hot take. I definitely don't think that's uh, it's at that level. Uh, but yeah, to our Podvengers group chat, I finally, I was texting and talking about it and finally I was just like, okay, I'll just embrace it. This is the MCU's Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't think there's ever been a better lead in for the spoiler zone than that. So like I said, <laughs> you're going to hear an audio cue and on the other side, it'll be fair game for all spoilers and the MCU. We'll see you on the other side. And we're back. I can already tell you, I know this, this episode is going to ruffle some feathers because there are some very enamored people with this film. And so... Yeah. Yeah, I actually intentionally didn't jot down any notes to try to avoid going too negative. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, the first part of the outline we have, and it's so funny when I sat down to, because we have a a pretty much standardized template that we use for the reactions. And I was going through, I was like, all right, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. All right. The first question we ask is, did it meet your expectations? Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't didn't know how that was. Well, see, I can answer that yes and no, but okay, so okay. Actually, that's the same answer I have, and I'm very curious. Go ahead. What was uh, what's your yes and no? Okay, my my yes is is because I didn't see it opening weekend, and I didn't have any spoilers, but I knew enough. Um, I think the closest thing to spoilers, and and I told you about this, was like scrolling through and seeing a a, a headline that was like like how many cameos did this have. You know, but that's all it said. Didn't show a picture. So, like, okay, so I know I'm going to get a lot of cameos. But that wasn't that big of a spoiler. It's a multiverse movie. So I'd be disappointed that it wasn't. It's expected. Yeah. Even with the trailer, like, uh, yeah, with, with Patrick, uh, Stewart. Patrick Stewart. So, yeah, so like my, where it met my expectations and where I enjoyed watching it, okay, was I knew going in that it was a Raimi movie and not, not in the sense of like, Oh, he's the director, but 
people saying, oh, this is the most Raimi MCU movie. You, you know what I mean? It, it was very much him. And so in that sense, knowing that going in, I I was had my expectations of what I knew I was about to see stylistically. And so in that sense, it was like, yeah, it's a Raimi film. Like this is, this was a fun watch taking my oldest with me. And I mean, this is PG 13, but this is the only horror movie, right. That they've seen in the theater. Um, yeah. In theater, like at home, you know, might've seen stuff, but yeah, in theater. And, and so seeing that reaction, seeing, you know, the jump scares, having them lean over and it was just like, I'm not going to sleep tonight. Oh, that's a It was that scene where you know it's coming and you're expecting Wanda to bust through the door, but then she comes out from the side. Uh, when she's stalking the other Wanda? When she's stalking Christine and Doctor Strange. Oh, where it does the slowdown. Yeah, it does that slow down. It's in the tunnel and stuff, and like you're expecting to picture the door, and that one it was a, a really big jump scare for them. And I'm not sleeping the night, and, and so like all that met my expectations. From that sense, no, in that it f- felt like a Raimi film. It felt like I, I was watching a Raimi film with MCU window decorations and dressing, you know, and and it was like I, okay, so this was a fun Sam Raimi movie. Is a really disappointing MCU movie. And so in that sense, no, it didn't. Circling back to the your oldest leaning over and saying, I'm not sleeping tonight. I remember you texted me before going. You're like, hey, can I bring my kids to this? And I was just like, that's my least favorite question because I never <laughs> know what the right answer is. It doesn't even have to be horror. It's like, oh, is this appropriate for kids? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> but I mentioned that it was like, it take WandaVision and go one step further. And that's like, I think the level of fear that this had. And I didn't know if that was appropriate, but, uh, um, no. And very, very early on, um, with like the DI balling. Yeah. That was gory. Yeah. It's brutal. Oh my gosh. It's brutal. You know, and I I forgot which, but that was, that was a nod to one of his other movies. And I forgot which one right now. Um, and that's that's the other thing. It was, everything was so much a nod to his previous movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but my oldest leaned over and was like, "Yeah, it's good we left the other two at home." <laughs> <laughs> so you know, it's so funny. Like everything you just said, I'm with you. I think the only place that we've butt heads is with the Rise of Skywalker <laughs> comparison. But I think that's just my dislike of Star Wars rather than the disagreement on this film. Because yeah. well, well, and and the reason why I had that thought at the end was because I remember, or or finally just said, "Hey, I'm going to embrace that." Is I remember leaving Rise of Skywalker, having like enjoyed the experience, right? Like like, oh, this was a fun. That's where we differ. <laughs> like like, it was a fun movie, right? Like like, it was action and there was stuff, and it was like, and so immediately walk out. Oh, that was fun. But the more I, the further away I get from it, and that, and that initial experience goes away, and I get to think about it, I'm like, eh, no, that doesn't work. No, this doesn't work. No, that doesn't work. You, you know what I mean? And so, and so it's like, you know, I mean, 
yeah, Rise of Skywalker, my initial watch, it was like, you know, I, I mean, yes, I'd, I had problems with it too as I watched it. But from start to finish, like by the end, I'm like, oh, that was fun. I'm glad I saw it, you know. Um, but the more, the further I get away from it, I'm like, okay, uh, no. Uh, and, and that's where, especially in the, in the group text where I was like, no, I just have to embrace this. Cause the more I text, I'm like, it, it, the worse it gets. I think I put in the group text that there's a level of pettiness that I think a movie would have to get for me to be on the same level of rise of Skywalker. So, but again, that's where it's in a weird position. Well, because keep going. <laughs> it's a weird position because like it's I've settled on it just being fun like as, even as I go through to, to answer the question of did it meet my expectations I'm in the yes and no camp as you yes I expected some like multiverse-esque shenanigans with cameos I thought it was gonna be fun and it met that the problem and maybe this is a bit of an unfair expectation for the movie itself the first Doctor Strange is in my top five it is one of my favorite MCU movies. And to walk away from this one where the story is the weakest part does not meet the expectations. And that that was the disappointing factor of it. So it hasn't faded in the enjoyment of it being fun. But what falls apart when I think about it is just the story itself. And that's what I was meaning with the pre-spoiler thought of it didn't take itself too seriously. Like an, enough or not too seriously, that sounds negative, it didn't take itself seriously enough. There's just moments that feel awkward, like the end where Doctor Strange as a zombie is giving the motivational speech to America Chavez as a zombie, and it's it's just so lackluster. It's the it's it's the it's a step above the the power was within you all along kind of thing, and it's just cheesy yeah. and and and, yeah. the, See, and the final that, the, that that's why. Go ahead. The final bit, and then I'll turn it to you. Final bit, stuff like the uh, Scarlet Witch taking out the Illuminati. It's fun. I liked it. But from the audience perspective, if you've been waiting to see these characters for a while, the fact that they're done, like, imagine being really excited to get Mr. Fantastic. And this is the yeah. first depiction of them in the MCU, and they're done away with so quickly. I'm not even talking about the- Professor the, Xavier? Yeah. Professor Xavier. I'm not even talking about the level of quality of the acting- or whatever, it's just doing away dismissively of a character that hasn't even appeared in the prime form yet. Right. So, okay, two thoughts. I think some of the things you were saying, actually, I completely agree with, but gets me to that Rise of Skywalker category where it doesn't get you there. (laughs) Because you brought up the pettiness, and I'm going to read these texts. Because in following up the Rise of Skywalker thing, you were like, I think there's an inherent pettiness in spite a movie has to reach, which you just said, right, to get to the level of well, Rise of Skywalker bad, you know. And you said this movie's far from that. But see, my response was because of because in Rise of Skywalker they were trying to walk back previous content and like attempting to be good. Yeah, that that was problematic because we're watching it and we all know. The, the pettiness is there. They're trying to walk things back, right? My favorite description of it is is someone said it was like J.J. Abrams and Ryan Johnson were trying to do an improv scene, but neither one of them knew how to yes and. Right. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and this movie walked back previous content just out of ignorance. It wasn't trying to, but it did. And, and I'm like, what are you doing? Like that's that's where it really annoyed me is like you're walking back so much stuff 
because you want your style, you know? Um, and that, and, and I mean, in fairness, I'm, I'm putting all the blame on Sam Raimi when I say it that way. Um, like I, I don't think that's a hundred percent fair, you know? Well, I'd be curious, um, like, what do you mean by walking back? Because to uh, me, I think, I'd, I think the Wanda, the, I think, I don't, I don't think the, the development with Wanda doesn't make sense, uh, to me of, of how Wanda got there. Like it, it just, it, it just doesn't make sense for me. The, I mean, you get Yelena, you know, you get Kate Bishop, you get Wanda. Let's just go to Wanda and see her coming through and you see all that. And then we get this buildup of America Chavez and she's basically a MacGuffin, you know, it's like, it's like the, 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 the movie had two MacGuffins, right? And they had the Hitchcock style of MacGuffin and the George Lucas style of MacGuffin. And the Hitchcock style is I need the MacGuffin. And that's, you know, basic MacGuffin, right? This is going to kick off the plot. Audience doesn't need to know what it is. It's just there. That's Hitchcock. Lucas thought, no, the audience needs to care about the MacGuffin, right? And, and, and be interested and invested in the MacGuffin. It needs to know, for example, the droids, R2-D2, C-3PO. That's what the good book of Ashanti was, was the Hitchcock MacGuffin. And... America Chavez was the the droids. I mean, I mean, outside of that, the relationship development between her and Strange was weak at best and just super forced. It just it just wasn't well done. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I mean, I I actually reached a point where in my thought where I'm like, I don't remember if I said this to you or friend Daniel, but I was like, this makes Loki so much better to me. And so much more impressed with Kate Heron as a director because what she was able to do with Michael Waldron's script, Sam Raimi wasn't capable of doing because the script was terrible. (laughs) And, you know, and, and, and we just, and if that was the script they're going to go with, they need somebody who can direct better than Raimi and who's, you know, can is willing to sacrifice his style to make it good. In defense of Waldron, I will say this. There's been reports that there was definitely more screen time devoted to scenes like there was a cut scene where we actually start with our Mordo going to a cabin where Wanda is and she kills him there. Uh, reportedly, there was a report that this movie was originally 30 minutes longer and it got cut down for two hours because of Raimi wanting that fast-paced feel. So I'm not ready to call Waldron terrible, but I, I want to put that defense Look, in there a if, little bit. If, if it was Waldron's idea to like, hey, I'm going to watch Deadpool 2 and see them make the X-Force team and then kill them off and try to recreate that, but in a much worse way with the <laughs> Illuminati, then yeah, I, I would say it's pretty crappy writing. All right. I just wanted to make sure to at least get that defense in there. <laughs> yeah, it's there's very little defense. It was like, dude, did you even watch WandaVision? Like you realize all these are connected. It's a universe, right? Anyways, I I have very little good things to say about this movie. Yeah. 
<laughs> I just, I'm sorry. I, I when, like, like, uh, like the best, one of the best things about it is I went on a Wednesday and the, the theater I go to on a Wednesday, it's like $5 no matter the time. Like I saved money. The best money. thing about it was that it was cheap. <laughs> I, like, like not, not only, not only that, like I got comped, like, like my dad and, and, and I ordered drinks and they didn't bring us our drinks. And but they brought my oldest their drink and popcorn, and because we didn't get ours, and the whole theater got food, and we're watching them get refills. They gave us. I got two movie passes to go back, and the popcorn and kid got popcorn and drinks for free. It was actually Michael Waldron. He was behind the concessions. Like in that sense, that was the best part. That that was the best part of the experience. It was great. <laughs> oh, like man. like yeah, I'm gonna go see Thor: Love and Thunder on them. Oh wow! Well, that works, right? That I will say that's how I saw, I believe, Logan for free, the Wolverine movie, because I went and saw Get Out, and they didn't turn off the lights for like the first twenty minutes, so I had to go tell them, and they gave me a free pass, and I used it on Logan. <laughs> nice. That's that's the way to do it. <laughs> go be miserable in a theater. <laughs> All right. See, I got that's that's why. See, this is why I didn't take notes because I I knew once I got rolling, I wouldn't stop. So I gotta I'm gonna tap the brakes now. Well, I'm scared to go to the next one because the question is, what was your favorite scenes? <laughs> well, the thing is, it's your turn to go first. Okay, my turn to go first. This is also weird because like, I've already put out some first thoughts. Uh, so I'm going to try and do ones I haven't already talked about in that first impression. One of the things that I liked the first time but i really remember to talk about this time was in that opening fight sequence i like that dr strange pretty much used mayhand mage hands uh from dnd when he was fighting the giant cyclops creature whatever i thought the inventive use of magic was really cool hang on i'm i'm forgetting what it is uh gore something gormoth hang on i'm i'm in the closet and i don't have my dnd books with me oh. um <laughs> D&D, One-Eyed Monster, it's a Beholder, I'm thinking. Yeah, essentially, he fought a Beholder. Okay, so that's what it's called? Yeah, like, like we'll in put terms a of link. D&D. Yeah, in terms of D&D, we put a link in the show notes. It's, it's basically a Beholder. Um, so, did you look it up? Do you see what a Beholder looks like? No, I can look it up. I like Okay, like, like I promise you, that was the first thing I saw. Okay. It, it definitely looks like a Beholder. I'm going to look it up. Gargantos is what they call it. It's it's a beholder, but okay. <laughs> yeah, I think one of the biggest things is like immediately in in that opening wedding battle. See, look, I paused and hesitated just for a second because like I immediately had a negative thought. Um, but was it? It was very. I mean, it was it was basically the Doc Ock fight from Spider Man Two. <laughs> you know, going up the building. Um, and and I don't mean that in a negative way. Like, to me, that was a fun, good callback, you know. Um, and, you know, and, and the working together of Wong and Doctor Strange. So, yeah. So, I really liked that aspect of it. I'm going to stop there and hold my <laughs> other two thoughts to myself. I don't have to bash on the movie anymore. At this point, I feel like... Before we wrap this up, I almost kind of want to end this episode by setting a three-minute timer and just letting you wail on it. Just get it all out there. <laughs> <laughs> now, a scene that... It, it, my turn. Uh, a scene that I really did like, which is so interesting because 
brother Daniel texted me and he was like, he's like, Hans Zimmer would have done so much better than Danny Elfman. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, like he didn't, he didn't like that, which I thought if was you, so funny. If you, okay, well, never mind. This is brother Daniel. I was going to say, if you discredit the music battle scene, I'm going to be so heartbroken. <laughs> well, his text for me was, I didn't, for, no, his text to me was, I didn't like the music note battle. Probably mostly because, <laughs> This is Brother Daniel. I know, I probably, know, I know. Probably mostly because it was Danny Elfman. And then I said, I enjoyed that part. Because I, I actually really liked it and was really clever, the use of notes and the visuals. I really enjoyed that. But then I did follow that up mainly due to the visuals. Like, I, I didn't, like, the, the, I don't know. The music didn't do anything for me there. I was just, I was so caught up with the visuals. I just, I really liked that. And that's when he got his response, Hans Zimmer would have done better. Um, and I just said, true. You brought an Elfman to a Zimmer fight. Yeah, right? Like, <laughs> that would have been really cool, right? Like, if you got Elfman to do, like, one of them and collaborated with Zimmer to do the other, like, that would have been really neat. But no, in all seriousness, like, that fight, I, I was really, really enjoyed the visuals there. You know, and I just, I just thought that was a clever way of, like, taking... I mean, I know it was all CGI, but but taking like material and turning it into magic, you know, and this use of of um, uh, sound with it, you know. Uh, but yeah, I was just enamored with the the visuals there. Yeah. Okay. All right. I was getting nervous because that was definitely one of my favorite scenes. Uh, like, because I, I, I mentioned it in my episode, the two standout moments that I had walking out was the music battle and Captain Carter herself. So. We're fine. We'll we'll make it out of this episode. Oh yeah, I'm with you on Captain Carter. Yeah. Until they well, killed her. This is the spoiler zone. You can say it. <laughs> but yeah, until they killed her, it was like, <laughs> oh my, yes, Captain Carter, and look how awesome, and the fan base loved her, and what if, and and all this stuff, and it was like, what? That's <sighs> okay. <laughs> well, I'll come in with another. Uh... You do you, Sam Raimi. You do you. We never quite got over Sam Raimi ruining Spider-Man 3. That's all this is. <laughs> Although I think you, you're starting to come around on San, on the third Spider-Man film, aren't you? Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think it's as bad as I remember it. Um, y- you know, um, I think of those three, and this is a whole other conversation. I think of those three, that's, well, you get a couple of things. It's, you know, where Sony starts doing its Sony thing. Um, it's the most Raimi, I think, of the three films, if that if that makes sense. Um, you know, and yeah, it was overpacked, uh, but uh, there's some elements of like, like, okay, I see a theme that you are trying to have all the way through. And, you know, and it just wasn't pulled off as well as the first two. Can I say, I know we're supposed mm-hmm. to be talking about favorite scenes. I think that's the, the smoking gun of the story being so weak. There's not a very cohesive theme in this movie at all. Like it, it is not that far off from, and then this happened and then this happened. They try to do some interesting things with strange, always justifying the, there was no other way. And then also the other half baked, are you happy? But, I don't feel a, a cohesive theme throughout this movie. And that's what's disappointing to me. Right. Yeah. But that's not Raimi's fault. That's 
the writer's fault. <laughs> well, what was what was my big complaint? And one of the things we talked about with Loki of like, I'm going to introduce these big ideas, but I really don't know how to answer them. And I'm going to jump one to the other because I, I really don't know what I'm talking about. But I just like to introduce big ideas because it's fun. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to actually... start the timer now or... Yeah, go ahead. Like I'm not gonna, <laughs> but I'm not going to actually take one and pull it through to the end, you know. And it was like, and and like I should have been aware of it and already of like, man, if you're going to do that with Loki, and that's a long form storytelling, there's no way you're going to pull the thread of happiness all the way through here in a short form. It, it just, it, and you know, it's just not going to happen. The other scene I enjoyed. Uh, very much is the uh the defending carmitage i just thought that was very well done the the intensity of it and watching wong get to issue the orders was really cool i i just i think i've seen people start to deem this phase wong and i'm all for it because i think in the press material of she hulk wong will be appearing it was like officially marvel studios released information that it's starring wong as well uh so I'm I'm always happy to see more of him. Well, and it's one of those things that, yes, I enjoyed that scene too. Um, but it was all visuals. Like what the what I enjoyed about it was the visuals. The really really cool part for me of all that sequence was the reflections, and they were having to go and like cover up all the reflections. You, you know, like I, I don't know why that that really I liked and kind of spoke to me. But yeah, like that you're right. The the visuals of that was really cool. And but I do remember watching that and thinking, man, this feels like an end set piece. What are they going to do in the end? You know. And that's a problem. You know what I mean? Like the very first as much as I the they had the nod to Spider-Man 2 and the visuals in the first, you know, and not the very first first where we meet America Chavez, but the wedding fight that we were talked about, like like I get it. Like if you're going to do that, you got to set it up with something big, and and you're going to introduce both MacGuffins right at the beginning, you know, um, and you introduce the flaw our hero has to overcome right in the beginning. You know, it's very. You mean the problem you know, that was solved in the first Doctor Strange? <laughs> right. Um, well, I mean, but it's that it's that very like you know the this cookie cutter. You know, I'm going to spend the first ten pages of a script, ten minutes. You know, that gets me to plot point A, which is what's going to be the problem that kicks everything off, which is America Chavez, you know, is here and doesn't trust Strange. And then you're going to spin from plot point A to plot point B, trying to figure out how to fix it. Plot point B is where you figure out how to fix it. And then the last section of the movie after plot point B is actually doing what it is to, to fix it. I mean, it, it follows a pretty basic formula, um, in, in that sense. And it's like, you, you know, and, and each thing, there was no, well, think about Shang-Chi, right? And, and you love that movie. I like, and I, and not that I don't like it, but between the two of us, like that's on a different level for you. Um, and we both agree and talk about when you watch the fighting each time, there's like a level up, there's a level up. Right. And there's just, man, what's going to happen next? Like it was so grand in the beginning that it's like, this feels like it'd be an inset piece. Okay. This feels like an inset piece that it was just like, 
there was no build. You know, it was just a roller. You know, it's just not even a roller coaster. It was like that. What what was that ride at carnivals? The gravitron. It's just going to spin really fast, and you're stuck to the wall. And it's fun to be stuck to the wall, but that's all it does. Like that. You you know what I mean? There was no real build to it, and in in that sense. So yeah. If a movie's going to do that, it has to have more substance than I think this movie has. And that's where it leaves it with a little bit more style than substance. Right. And Raimi's not the director to overcome a bad script. I think it's your turn for a favorite scene, unless uh, that was it. <laughs> the, other, the other scene I would want to bring up was the wedding. And I have an article. I'm bad about reading an article and then losing it. <laughs> well, now I know to look at the click up. Um, and so I'm looking real quick. So I try, I tried to make sure I saved this one. Yeah, of course I didn't. Uh, of course I didn't. So we'll see. I will try to try to find it again. But essentially the, the article was talking about essentially the wedding scene and how wonderful the wedding scene was in that brief moment, uh, with the doctor, Dr. Nick West. Well, yeah, Nick, Nick West. Is that right? And, and that's, and that's part of what you were saying, that setup of like, Hey, I had to do what I had to do kind of thing, but there's still ramifications of like, wait a minute. In that time I lost five years. I lost my cats. And, and I love the way they did that too. You know, so they did get something right in the script and I lost my brother, you know, because like a, a normal quote unquote, normal Marvel movie that we kind of point out of like that, that comedy that undercuts the moment would have flipped that and said it would have been like and i lost my brother it's like pause and then be like and my cats i lost my cats you you know and and then we all kind of laugh but like they give us that 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 humor moment right i lost my cats and you're like cats and this is dr nick west like okay who cares and then he's like and my brother you know And, and so you really see the weight you know of like of the decisions strange made you know and that was a wonderful exchange. And it's like, it's like that. How do you take that and that make the thread through and truly pull the thread through, not just like spurts of moments, you know, uh, throughout the film, but then be confused to what the theme is in general. It's like, oh, it's no, it's about happiness. Anyways, about happiness. But, but I loved, I loved that scene. Right. And it's like, and yeah, so I don't know. Um, that that was I loved it. That was a great scene. I remember at that moment I was like, okay, here we like we've got the emotional core of what this movie's going to be, and I paired it with what I had known from the trailers with the conversation between Wanda and Strange, where she's like, when you break the rules, you become a hero. When I break the rules, I'm a villain. That doesn't seem fair. I think this movie the biggest waste of this movie is not exploring that theme because I think it is a very mm-hmm. valid criticism. The problem is I think they were they were so excited to get to evil Wanda that they made her a straw man argument. Like because I've talked about this before, I know you disagree cuz you say it's walking back Wanda. Everything they're doing with Wanda logically makes sense. This is the trajectory she was on from WandaVision. Dude, the book the way it ends in the book in the 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 learning from the what's it called the dark hold 
the dark hole. Thank you. Like this is where they were going. You could see that's where they were headed. So logically that makes sense. But if you make the emotion, if you make the turn of a character like that off screen, that is betraying the audience, I think. So she's right. It's not fair. And it would have been great to explore a big idea with somebody who could write about great ideas and big ideas and pull that thread. You're making this personal. (laughs) Um, I'm just sorry, dude. It's just not good at all. So frustrating. But my, my issue is, is going to be this, right? Like first off it, a, it answers the question of like, yes, the Disney plus shows are important. Yes. You can't get from end game to this without watching WandaVision, right? And I'm even making the case, I would think that you can't even get to this from WandaVision. And and the reason why is, yeah, she hears her sons in the Darkhold, right? At the end of that. But like, that's all you gave us. It, it, we get nothing about her actually searching for her sons. Yeah, she lost them in their grief, but like, she chose like like she chose to to give up and stopping agatha that world she created when she was clearly powerful enough to keep it if she wanted to but she chose to get rid of that right so in that sense there was not fully because i i I don't disagree with you what you said on wandavision on well we don't really have our lesson learned right but she's on the way to learning that it's like where what got her I mean, it would have made sense if the Darkhold took over, right? Which that's kind of what they tried to do. And some other Wanda, multiverse-wise, was taking control of our Wanda. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I, and I think that would have been better or more plausible or believable. But with ours, it's like ours meaning what we saw in WandaVision. Yeah, I don't disagree on grief, but at the same time, it's like, no... She knew she was giving up. She they had the whole scene where she said her goodbyes, you know? And, and so, and then like the whole idea of like, wait, you do this and get to be the hero. I do this and I get to be the villain. I mean, great line, but it's like, what do you mean villain? Well, yeah, I mean, whatever. You were in a cabin in the woods enjoying your time. And Dr. Strange is like, I'm not here about Westview. I don't care. Like he didn't see her as a villain. So when was she a villain? Outside of like comic book knowledge and, and you know, and, and so that's the other thing where it's like, it just, it didn't make sense. You know, it's, it's like, it's like my problem with the last Jedi, you know, it's like, you want oh, Luke, it's, it's like, it's like you want Luke, you know, this Jedi master to like face down his own father in front of the emperor and lay down his lightsaber. And you want us to believe that like, because of some vision, he's scared of Kylo Ren. Like, without actually having to do the legwork to make it believable, you just, I'm going to say that's the case, and it's like, that's dumb. And that's what they did here. It's like, we're just going to say it, and not going to actually give you the legwork to to bring the character there. And it's like, okay, thank you, lazy writing. But it's, it's just dumb. I'm just, I'm just thankful that the, that the MCU is doing multiverse stuff, because when you start to walk this movie back because of the horrible entry that it is into the MCU, it's, it's going to be doable and believable. Cause we're just going to, you know, like my like coworker, Sean was like, I, he has this thought of like, 
did we even watch our with the multiverse? It could be the case we didn't even watch our strange. So I'm done because otherwise I'm just gonna go just keep bagging on this movie. The pushback, I, isn't it the six one six? Like they specifically stated that was six one six strange. So we can't. You're you're not gonna escape that way. <laughs> God, I I legitimately thought they were gearing up for it. Whenever the fi- the scene in the movie ends with him walking down the street, everything seems fine, and he falls to the ground. I thought we were gonna get some revelation of like going back to No Way Home when the with the, all the universes. I thought that was gonna somehow show that that was a different strange. But. That would have been amazing. Mm-hmm. That that would have because like so so traditionally six one six is the main comic line starting in nineteen sixty three. Oh, I thought that was just MCU. No, no, no. Six one six. That's been around since the sixties. That's like the main universe. Six one six main comic line universe. Six one six. And so when they bring that up in Far From Home. It's clearly an Easter egg because Mysterio then says, you know, it was all a lie. He was making it up, right? And so, like, the 616 is kind of a funny nod. It's like, okay, so you said 616 here. It's also mentioned in Thor the Dark World. It's like, did you... On Thor the Dark World, it was just written on the thing, Mm -hmm. right? So that's, again, a nod Easter egg. So you mean to tell me in this movie you went back to that well again when you shown your... clearly capable of doing fan service unbelievably well and in game but you went back to that well in a movie that's literally about the multiverse so either they're waiting to spring this on us and what they i would have loved the ending that you said they had or or i don't i don't even know what to say right now or they got michael waldron to write the script and they just decided (laughs) hey you know what? Screw it. Fan service is fan service. I will say this. Whenever we circle back, because this is a quick reaction, although this has turned into be a deeper reaction than we normally do. Whenever we circle back to do our traditional, like, full-on movie review where we do it three-act structure breakdown, it's going to be a wild episode. <laughs> <laughs> that It, it I, might I, beat I, Iron Man 2 as far as the one of our hardest listen, listening ones where we just beat up on that movie the entire time. I, I, are we really going to do that? I imagine we had plans to circle back to black. All the movies have come out so far. We've always had the idea. We we're going to come back to them with the three act right, structure. Right, structure. Cause this is just supposed to be a quick reaction. This is the first time that we, I think we've had like a very, cause even though I enjoyed it a little bit more than you did, I, I would classify mine as still a negative reaction. Do you want to move on to the post credit scene? I'm, I'm really <laughs> curious. So when it comes out on Disney plus and I'm looking at it, and I'm thinking, oh, am I going to rewatch this? Or do I want to spend my time watching Iron Man 2? And that's going to be a tough call. <laughs> it just is. Well, I'm going to go ahead and move us into the post credits. <laughs> oh, dude, I just go watch Party Thor. And it's shorter. <laughs> oh, man. Well, the final act on our the final act the final bullet point on our outline is asking what does it mean for the future of the mcu uh regarding whatever happens in those two scenes the the second one we know is just kind of a joke with bruce campbell the first one i'm not going to get us out of the the nosedive of negativity i will say this i didn't like it 
And it's so funny to me because there's a very popular tweet that circles around where somebody was like very disingenuously saying, you know, what my favorite part of a Marvel movie is where you wait 10 minutes of names and then somebody comes in through a door and says, hey, it's me, Blorco. And they're basically just like poking fun at how it's just some random setup. As excited as I am for Charlie Theron, that end credit meant nothing to me. <laughs> and the third eye looks bad. Um, here we go. Okay. Um, I feel bad because I, I, it's very funny to watch you get angry about this. I feel like I'm poking and broadening. So, okay. So I'm going to do the second end credits first. Okay. It was funny and really well done with homecoming and captain America. This was not funny. It was dumb. Like, like the moment where Bruce Campbell, where he starts punching himself. I forgot that happened. So when he first came on, it was like, what are you here? Like it didn't register of like, Oh, this is the three weeks later. And he finally stopped. I completely forgot that that happened. And so I'm like, I don't understand why I sat there for that when it was much more effective with Captain America. You know, it's just like, I don't know. It Like, if I want to watch Bruce Campbell, I'm going to go watch Burn Notice, right? I'm going to watch, because it's in spurts, and it's good, and you have other people supporting him to be better. Um, but I, uh, that, was, that was a waste of time. Um, this first end credits... I didn't know who Charlize Theron was. I know who she is now. Right. And this is one of those weird things where it was like, at the end of... Okay, at the end of Eternals, when you get Blade's voice, but you don't see Blade, what I liked about that is we know Blade is coming. Right? If Charlize Theron's character was one that we knew was coming... And all of a sudden we see it and, oh my gosh, you got Charlize Theron to play it. That would have been cool. But because I don't know who this character is or expecting this person, you know, down the line, then I'm like, so you just, you got Charlize Theron in a bad cosplay outfit. Okay. Like, you know what I mean? Now. The one thing it did make me think about, and we've had a conversation about this, about how do we make this a whole episode, is just how much of the Infinity Saga and the expectations that set has impacted how I'd watch new things, right? Where I have this expectation now that each end tag is automatically going to go into the next thing, rather than setting something up that won't pay off until down the line. Like we got think phase one you know or something it's like it's like we we get a lot of in tags i felt like of like oh this is setting something up and i know it's setting something up and cool what's that going to connect to and i wonder what it is and and how do i recapture that because by the time we get towards the end every single in tag is leading into the next film wakanda oh okay there's bucky he gets his arm You, you know what i mean um and everything is 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 in this tight knit web, and with the with the current way intacts are going, that's not really what we're getting, you know, and and so in that sense, like I have no idea when Blade's going to show up, when we're going to see Kit Harrington again. I know it's coming. We got the intag, and and I have this anticipation for it, and now I have this anticipation for whatever Charlize Theron 
is going to play, but I also know Thor and Love and Thunder's coming, and if this was prior to Endgame or Infinity War, that end tag would have set me up for that, and so I'm kind of expecting this end tag to set me up for Thor, Love and Thunder, or set me up for Miss Marvel, you know, and, and they're not doing that, and that's, I think, a problem with my expectations, and and so th- that is one thing that I would say is that this in tag has really forced me to think about. I'm trying to, this isn't quite, I'm going to throw it out here and see what you think. That in tag feels like an Ouroboros. We're watching the MCU kind of eat its own tail where Mm -hmm. I agree with you that it used to be this thing where it would set up the next thing. And by, by nature of how many entries we're getting now per year, I think logistically they just can't anymore because there's no telling when or what's happening next. And so it's, it's, it's kind of like an oh crap moment of I'm hoping it's just this movie doing it really poorly. Mm-hmm. And that's what was so revealing of it. But it could, it could be a, a, our first warning sign. Yeah. Well, in, in the, in, I mean, you make Blade, the, the Blade one successful because all you need is a voice. But the others, it was like, well, and you, and you get back into that issue of is Disney Plus a separate thing? Do you have to watch these to enjoy the movies? Because otherwise, that end tag, in a quote-unquote traditional sense, should have been something for Lord, uh, Thor. Lore. Thor and Love and Thunder, <laughs> right? But that's also something that Taika probably would have shot, and they would have just threw on the end, right? But that skips over Miss Marvel. You know, so do you put Miss Marvel here? I don't know. The end tag to Black Widow put us into Hawkeye. End tag to WandaVision put us into this. So I don't see why you couldn't do something here that puts us into Miss Marvel and they don't have to shoot it. You know, Spider-Man No Way Home trailer uh, in tag was just the trailer for this movie. And Venom. Oh yeah, that too. I, I genuinely forgot. <laughs> so did Marvel. Um, I will say there's an alternate universe where Miss Marvel was already out. So that's another thing to consider where these in tags almost can't because the COVID shuffle, reshuffling of things just naturally Mm-hmm. It's it's just almost impossible. Yeah, yeah, you know, and and that's fine, right? But then at that point, it's like, you know, so I guess we confirmed we're gonna get a third Doctor Strange, like you know, and 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 that's I haven't seen any reports saying that. So yeah, I just I'm not, I don't know, and and I I have some issues with the way they're handling the multiverse right now, anyways, um, and I and I think I think. I think this movie is bringing those issues really front and center. I told you yesterday on the conversation, uh, a phone call conversation, I'm done with the multiverse for a while. Like I've enjoyed my time with it. I'm multiversed out and I'm glad we probably won't see it again until Loki season two or, or quantum mania. Mm-hmm. Like I, I'm done with it. Like it's, let's put it on the shelf for now. Yeah. Give me more moon Knight. <laughs> well, you know, normally when we get to this part of the outline, the future of the MCU means the narrative. But it's very funny that we're talking about the future of the MCU as a whole. <laughs> well, is there any uh, final comments you want to make on the way out? I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is going to be a fun hope, one to see people's... Hope y'all come back next week. <laughs> we have a really fun episode scheduled for next week, tentatively scheduled because things always change. 
But if you're upset with this one, we promise next week's going to be really fun. <laughs> yeah. You know what? If you're upset with this, that's fine. Come into the Discord and let us know. Yeah. You know what? If you want to let us know, you can reach us at MC Need to Know, both on Twitter and Instagram. And like Jude said, there's a Discord link that you can find in the show notes as well. And we have our phone number. You can call and leave me a voicemail and telling me how right or wrong I am. And who knows? That voicemail might end up on the pod. Depending on how much profanity. <laughs> <laughs> it's just going to be one long beep. <laughs> <laughs> Now I almost want to do that just for the fun of it. Oh, that's but of so course, funny. if you want to reach that phone number, you can find us at 512-893-1355. Call us, leave us a voicemail, and uh, it'll be featured in the show. I think Nick Sandy's next. We've been jumping around out of order. There, well, rating and review was the last thing. Eh, do we really want to encourage that after this episode? <laughs> that's staying in. <laughs> <laughs> We'd also like to thank Nick Sandy for the use of our theme song, which is his rendition of the Avengers theme. You can find more of his work on SoundCloud, which is linked in the show notes as well. Well, that's going to do it. Thank you so much for listening. And Jude, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you for the opportunity, Trey. (laughs) We'll see you all next week. I really, I thought about it as soon as I said it. I really would have said, Jude, thank you so much for booing this. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, that was interesting. <laughs> Just, it was so bad. I had a feeling it was going to be like this because I, I came out with, like, I, it was fun. It was fine. I was disappointed that it didn't meet the first level, the first movie. But the more I thought about it, the more I was like, ah, da, 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 da. And then then I started texting with you and I think podcast brain took over and I was like, oh no, this, like, this is going to be a beat down episode. (laughs) It's just so bad. Um, it's not that I don't like Raimi and he's a good filmmaker and I've enjoyed his films. Like I even have his IMDB up, right? Like, uh, what is it? Well, the three Spider-Man, right? The gift if it's what I thinking it is, you know, I mean, it wasn't the best of movies, but whatever, entertaining, uh, simple plan. If I remember right, was, you know, entertaining. Good. Well, he did for the love of the game. That can't be right. Yeah. He did for the love of the game. I mean, like he clearly knows how to not do, he, he clearly knows how to not be him. Right. And the quick and the dead. Okay good uh army of darkest super huge cult following dark man really enjoyed document like there's good stuff in there but it's like we didn't need the evil dead raimi in the mcu like this was that was just a bad idea and uh, scott derrickson oh my gosh what would his vision have been that would have been amazing to see like give me the derrickson cut right like it's just embarrassing you know, because it's like, hey, these movies, they are cinema and like trying to defend like the genre and these movies and the work people do against like, you know, these uptight directors that basically do the exact same thing. But for some reason, they get to be called, you know, Dune. like Dune. Oh, my gosh. Dune's so bad that there's no way in hell that should have been nominated for Best Picture. Um <sighs>
and, and Scorsese. Like, I love Scorsese, but like, man, these are just, dude, all you ever do is mob movies. Come on. Like, that's what you do. Mob movies and religious movies. And I'm just like, you got to be kidding me. I mean, when you get like the director of all people, they've like the day after tomorrow at Independence Day and they're like bashing on the Marvel movies. I'm like, dude, you don't even have a leg to stand on. And then you know what we do? We're like, you know what? Let's give them more ammo that's actually legitimate this time. It's so dumb. Oh, man. That's funny. <laughs> and oh my gosh. Time's up. Jude has his arms outstretched in dismay. Like, Michael Waldron has written one Rick and Morty episode. He had Kate Heron overcome his ineptitude. Wow. With Loki. <laughs> I haven't watched Heels yet, but apparently that's supposed to be good. Then we have Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. And, huh, what's this? Announced? Writer for Untitled Star Wars Kevin Feige Project? I'll start another timer. They have to be related. There's no way. There's no way. There's no way. This guy deserves to touch down.